Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. One verse of scripture, my subject today, what dads do. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. What dads do. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Help me preach for dads today an encouraging word that will strengthen them in their journey. I pray for men in this room who have felt like they failed as a father that you would give the grace, Lord, to recover everything they felt like they lost. I pray, Lord, for sons and daughters in this room that have been wounded more on the inside uh, uh, because of a fatherlessness or because of a wound that a father figure inflicted. Heal them today, God. I pray somehow those who are hurting and they're grieving because they've lost their father and somehow today this day stings a little bit, would you give them a measure of your peace and comfort so that they experience your goodness, Abba, and know that you'll never depart, you'll never leave, and you'll always be there. And so I bless this church today. I pray this house would be full of solutions and not part of the problem. I pray we would be oil on wounds. I pray that we would be healing where there has been pain. And I pray for the men of this church to be leaders in this community, this city, this nation, and this world that make a difference and move the needle in the right direction. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So um, this is not gonna feel very sermonic today. It's really uh, not intended to be a sermon. Um, I talked more this morning in Cleveland than I usually do. You know, I get a little excited, but this morning I, I just carry a burden because I, I see what's happening in our world and I think we're at times improperly diagnosing the problem. And when you have an improper diagnosis, you often treat it with the wrong thing. It's important to know what's causing the sickness so you can treat it with the right remedy. Time Magazine did a study some time ago on the pandemic, the epidemic rather, of fatherlessness, and here's what they determined. I'm not going to read every statistic that the study revealed, um, and this is gonna start off a little bit heavy because I have to make sure you understand the pain and the dysfunctionality of fatherlessness and what we're dealing with in America. Part of what we're dealing with in America has nothing to do with the right or the left or the media or the culture or the world. Much of what we are dealing with in America is the result of a lack of fathers. When Time Magazine did this study, they discovered some very, very significant things. Number one, they discovered that the, the most important factor of determining a person's future, if they'll be successful, if they'll live a decent life, if they'll live a wholesome life, if they'll land a good job and raise a good family, the single most important factor of any person when, when surveying thousands of people, the single most important factor that they found to determine the future of an individual is if that individual was raised in the house with their biological father. A person who was raised in their house by, now listen to me carefully, I'm not saying it was 100% across the board, 
We know that there are plenty of stories where biological fathers dropped the ball, were abusive. I'm not trying to wash this sermon out with some sort of blanket uh, statement. I recognize that there are, are uh, uh, issues, in, even in houses with biological fathers. But in homes where the biological father was present and engaged, Time Magazine study determined it was the single greatest factor to determine the well-being of the quality of life for an individual. L listen to this. 63% of youth suicides happen in fatherless homes. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 90% of adolescent repeat arsonists live only uh, with their mother or a, a non-biological father who doesn't take any ownership of parenting that child. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse or drug abuse centers come from fatherless homes. The, the study goes on. I could keep going. The picture gets more grim as I continue to read. Let me say a couple of first things first of all. If you are from a home in which your biological father was not present, either because of he left or there was some issue or perhaps he died prematurely, and you are not in this, first of all, you don't have to be this statistic. And we celebrate the sons and daughters raised in single-parent homes by a sweet, sweet mama. Come on, somebody. Because there are exceptions to their study. And how many know God with mama can get a lot done? Come on, somebody say amen. I, I, I've seen it happen. So I first, I wanna lay that out there. But, but I also want you to understand that by and large, when you, when you remove from the equation something that God put into the equation to build in security, to build in identity, to build in prosperity, when you remove that voice and that presence from the equation, it makes it very, very difficult for that person to have the kind of shaping and developing in life that allows them and enables them to become everything God called them to be. And I'm gonna show you why in a few minutes because there is something a father does that no one else can do. In fact, I took, uh, I like the word father. I took my, my kids, uh, took my girls, uh, Judah and I think Zion and Genesis actually went for about 20 minutes and decided that wasn't her cup of tea. So Devin had to remove her from the movie theater so that everyone else could live in peace. Um, but we went to see The Little Mermaid a couple of uh, days ago. Uh, and, you know, I'm a mermaid fan. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd take one for the children, and so Judah wanted to go see it. I said, well, we'll go see it. We go sit, and the only thing I remember about the whole movie is that she called her dad father. So when we got out of the movie theater, I texted the whole family. We have a, a, we have a Wallace family text uh, feed on my phone, and I said, I need everyone to start calling me father. <laughs> I don't want you to call me dad anymore. There's something I feel very fraternal. I feel very uh, whatever. Just call me father, and... So today, <laughs> Judah sends me a text, Father, happy Father's Day. And Jeremiah sends me a text, Father, happy Father's Day. And um, it's hilarious. There's something that dads do that no one else can do. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, by faith, Jacob leaned on his staff and blessed his children. I want fathers in this room today to begin to cultivate an appreciation for the power of your words. I am not here today to teach self-help or some you know, uh, name and claim, blab and grab stuff, but if you don't understand the power of what you speak, then you could actually bring and invite uh, a hindrance to your child's life rather than being the, 
the very thing that God wants to work through to bring blessing to your child's life. The Bible said that Jacob leaned on his staff by faith. He blessed his children. The staff to Jacob would have been his testimony because we understand that a shepherd would fight things, he would overcome things, he would have struggles, and when God did something for him, he would, he would carve a, a, in that staff, he would carve some sign of testimony into that wooden staff so that when he looked at it, he was reminded of the faithfulness of God. Picture that in your mind. A father leans on his staff. He leans on the testimony of the faithfulness of God and he opens his mouth and he speaks blessing with faith over his children. I wanna tell you today, dads, you may feel like you don't have the power to help your child, but I wanna tell you, between your chin and your nose is a weapon that God has given every father in this place that if you will use your voice in their life, it actually has the power when mixed with faith, it actually has the power to rebuke and resist darkness and to invite the blessing of God into the life of your child. Dads, only you can do this. You have that authority. You have that ability to shape the future of your child's life. I know that there are people in this room today and we got the man card and you know, if we could, we'd wear a 10 gallon cowboy hat with a big belt buckle and big, high, you know, Lou Casey boots and we would come in and we just bad to the bone and bless God, we don't say anything like that and we don't tell our kids we love them and all that is garbage. I'm tough, no you're not, you're dumb. If, if, <laughs> If you, if you would understand the power of words, God gave, I mean, you're not dumb, but you just gotta get with it. God wants to use your mouth and your voice in the life of your child to shape your child's future. This is one reason why there's a generation that is running around in utter chaos and confusion. Listen to 68% of kids live without their biological father this day. Think of 68% of children, millions of our children do not have the voice of a father in their life. And as I'm going to show you today, when the voice of the father is absent, the voice of the enemy becomes prevalent. And we have this sense of confusion that is sort of circulating. And I really believe that, listen to me carefully, I believe that when you, I'm not talking about individually, but as a nation, do you recognize this? I just found this out this past week. In the international community, America is known as the most fatherless the most fatherless nation in the world. In the international community, America is known as the most fatherless nation in the world. No wonder we have to fight the dysfunction no wonder we have to fight with kids killing each other in the streets. No wonder we're having debates over 19 pronouns. We don't know who we are. And the reason we don't know who we are is because the people called by God to help form identity and shape our identity are largely not there. And you say, Pastor, I thought you were gonna encourage dads. I am, I'm going somewhere, but we have to identify the problem first. Because what America's dealing with is not just, um, um, just, a, you know, just a relational problem. It's not just a moral issue. This is a spiritual thing. When you remove fathers from the nuclear family, you invite voices to come in and deceive. 
So I believe that if you're here today, you're, you're part of the solution. I believe you're probably not, you're not probably dealing with this. God, God's been good to people in this room and your father brought you to church or your father is here or your father showed you the right way to live. But here's the deal. Many of our sons and daughters in this generation don't have that privilege. What does that mean? That means that as the church, although we didn't cause the problem, we do have to become part of the solution for it. Imagine this, what fathers do, a lot of it relies largely on what they say. Now, we can talk and we'll talk a little bit about being there because how many know a major part of, of being a good father is not in having all the answers, it's just being there, right? But in order for us to really be the kind of dad God wants us to be, we have to understand the power of what we speak and this is seen in the life of Jesus. Luke's gospel talks about Jesus being baptized. The Bible says, I believe it's in verse 21. I told him verse 11 at the last place, but I believe it's verse 21. The Bible says Jesus came up out of the water. A dove descended on him and the father spoke from heaven and said several things. Listen to this. Now Jesus had been prophesied about through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through the prophets of the Old Testament, through the law of Moses, through the, the wisdom literature of Psalms, Proverbs, and, and, and Ecclesiastes, etc. And so the Old Testament has told us what he would look like, what he would do, the freedom he would bring. And so when Jesus comes, we can see that this is the Messiah. He was born of a virgin. He was born in Bethlehem. He, he brought freedom to the captives and set at liberty them that are bruised and the whole Isaiah piece. And we can see that this is Jesus, but I want you to hear me. Jesus himself needed the affirmation of the Father to walk in the identity that God the Father had given him. Jesus comes up out of the water, a dove descends on him, and a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, you know, it's not important what I say. If it weren't important, then God the Father would not have had to speak from heaven because he is Jesus. And if anybody knows who they are, it's Jesus. But I wanna tell you that even Jesus living on planet Earth had to have the affirmation and the development and the shaping of the voice of the Father who was in heaven. So let's break that down for just a moment because here's what I wanna talk about today. Most of what I wanna talk about today and what dads do is about what dads have the power to shape and develop in their children based on what they say. Number one, this is my. It's a sense of ownership and possession. God the Father says, this boy right here is mine. This is my, mine. Have you ever had kids? That sounds like you don't have them anymore. Um, how many of you have kids and there have been seasons in your life where you wanted to ally they didn't belong to you? Come on, don't lie, you'll go to hell. Um, for me, it was last week, right? You ever been in a restaurant and your kid just soils a diaper? It's the best way I can say it. And it's, it's horrible. And everybody's looking at you like, do something, and you're acting like, that's not my kid. My kid does not stink. And you know everyone's running out of the restaurant, you know it was your kid, right? Or ha have you ever been in a shopping mall? Have you ever been in Disney World? And it was your child that was the one that screamed bloody murder, and they have a princess dress on, but they scream like you stole them from somebody. And, and people are looking at you like, I don't know who this person is. Something about God that we need to learn from today, and that is this. There is power in telling your children, you're mine. 
You don't ever have to worry about not belonging somewhere. You're mine. I got you. And let me tell you this, the most powerful days, the most powerful moments in the relationship I have with my children are in moments where they feel like they've done something to separate and distance themselves from me and I let them know, I love you and you're still mine. It's one thing when you look at your child and say, I love you and you're mine and nobody ever, and it's a great moment. It's another thing when they made a horrible decision and they feel shame and the enemy would exploit that and instead of letting the enemy exploit it, you actually pull them closer to you and you remind them you're mine. Anybody in this room ever loved your child so much you don't think they know how much you love them? I say things like that to all my kids and Genesis is the funniest one. She's two now. She's probably listening to me in the back and taking notes on what I'm saying. And I would tell her all the time, I love you more than you'll ever know. When I say that to her, she looks puzzled like. But I say that to her even though she probably doesn't understand how much I love her. And I've said it to all my kids because I have this place in my heart as a father where I can't imagine my child ever doing something They've done some really bad stuff. Some, I've done some dumb bad stuff, right? But I can't imagine a place in my heart at all where I would never be totally, totally full of love for my children. And that's how God feels about you, and that's how your children ought to feel about you, Dad. How many feel that way about God? He loves us so much. How many know that the way he loves us should be a paradigm of how we demonstrate this sense of ownership to our children. I know it's difficult for men to do that, but dads, I want you to ask God for grace to make sure your child knows that they are your possession and they are precious to you. Secondly, he says, this is my beloved. This is a powerful word. If you break it down, it actually makes more sense. Be loved. You are actually loved just like you are. This is before Jesus did miracles. This is before Jesus preached sermons. Just like he was, he was the object of God's love. He was God the Father's special possession, and God said, you are loved. I want you to know this. Telling your children you love them is a necessity. I didn't get enough amens on that. And listen, let me just go ahead and qualify this. I'm not up here breathing fire today, so some of you are like, oh, we gotta get out of here. You don't need to get out of here. Sit right there and receive this teaching because this is as important as any tongue talking we do and any fire breathing we do. If we don't get a hold of father, fatherlessness in our generation, we're going to watch the enemy continue a cycle of perpetuated defeat and they're gonna keep just allowing this culture to identify them and we're going to be a solution that helps bring this nonsense to an end. I believe that with all of my heart. He said, you're my beloved. You are the object of my love and before you ever do anything for me, you are loved. You are being loved right now. Your child needs to know they're the object of your love and how shall they know that except you communicate that? I have, I've told you this before, I have a friend, they're in heaven now, Maggie and Sesame Young, dear friends of mine, they owned a farm down in uh, Georgia and I preached when I was a young preacher boy, 19 years old, at Black, Black Cheer Church of God and, and I went and had breakfast with uh, Maggie and Sesame Young and she makes this masterful breakfast. I'm 19 years old, and she looks at Sesame, and she says, Ses they're, they're 85. They've been married 65 years. She looks at Sesame, and she goes, uh, Sesame, tell them when the last time you told me you loved me was. And I'm 19 years old. I'm like, ma'am, I'm an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I don't counsel people. I don't do marriage counsel. I want to eat eggs and bacon, and I want to eat the biscuits, okay? Can we do this later? 
She said, no, Sesson, tell him the last time you told me you love me. And he looked at me and he stopped eating. He put his fork down. I'll never forget it. He said, I told her I loved her on the day I married her. And if I get ready to change my mind, I'll let her know. <laughs> he hadn't told her for 65 years he loved her. He told her on the day they got married and let her know if he changed his mind, she'd be the first to know. That does not work in fathering. How many know your kids need to hear that over and over and over and over and over again? If you ask any person in this staff, and I'm not the best at it, but it's intentional, and I do it because I want them to know, you, I hope you never walk through the hallways of our office where we're building a team culture and you not hear the words, love you. You say, but that feels so weird. No, it's right. And what's wrong is hateful, nasty disconnection that is sowed by the enemy. And we've got this thing so screwed up that now when people say, I love you, we think they're weird and hateful people are normal. You better read your Bible. If you know Jesus, you know love. If the love of the Father is in you, it ought to ooze out of you. And in the last day, the love of many would wax cold. And I've made up my mind, I don't care how weird you think I am, I'm gonna tell my kids, my wife, my church, our team, our leaders, I'm gonna tell them all, I love you. Why? Because that's what's in me. And if it's in you, then that people will know that you love them. Said you're beloved, number two, number three. So he says, you're mine, you're beloved. He says, you're my beloved son. I don't want to make more of this than that's there, but this is important. He actually shaped his identity as a person. One reason we have 19 pronouns in today's world is because fathers have stopped telling sons or boys that you're my son and daughters, you're my daughter, and girls, you're my daughter. I didn't get no help on that. What happens when they don't know that they're a boy? Someone tells them you can be whatever you want. What happens when they don't know they're a girl? Someone tells them you can be whatever you want. You don't wake up one morning at five years old, decide you want a sex change. You don't do that. You wake up at five and you wanna eat Captain Crunch and you wanna watch cartoons and you wanna go play with a kite in the front yard. If you're a boy, you wanna play cowboys. If you're a girl, you wanna play with princesses and nobody walks into their mom and dad's bedroom and say, I wanna have a sex change. And you're lying if you think that's normal. It's a demon. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna be quiet. No, no, we're not gonna start a war. I'm just gonna tell the truth. It's only... It's only happening because an absence of fathers has left a void of identity. And when fathers aren't there to do what dads do and speak identity, then the culture, which is being led by a spirit of antichrist, gets a megaphone called a TV screen or a, 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 a phone screen and starts telling your children and mine what is normal. I'm not listening to people tell me what's normal who don't do normal things. You're a son. If you don't know what your child is, bring them to the office. We have people, we have doctors. I'm being serious. God knew what he made when he created you. Well, I had a thought. I've had a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts that challenge what God said about me, but I don't follow those thoughts or pursue them. I rebuke them and put them under my feet. And when you have a thought or a voice, do you know the whole world went to the place of the curse because of one snake lying to a woman? 
It was one report that changed the whole thing. And if you don't know the voice of the Father, you will listen to the voice of a serpent and the serpent will lead you into a place of destruction. And that's what's happening in them. And we got a beautiful email this past week from a very dear brother, and Pastor Rick let me read it, a very dear brother who is now, after having embraced um, uh, the LGBT, not just the LGBT, he had a sex change and has now gone back to his original sex. He was a man, he decided he wanted to be a woman, and now he's in the place of recovering his manhood. And he said, I watch RTTN every single week and God's feeding me and I have a community of believers here where I come from and they're loving me and restoring me. You better hear me, not only do we need to stop this, we need to heal what has been broken so that dysfunctional people can put their life together. And if grace is what we preach it is, it doesn't just work on decent people who were raised in a great family, it works for hell-bound people who've been lied to by the devil and looking for a place of hope. And I believe this ought to be that kind of house and I need an amen or something. Never know who's watching. You never know what's happening in lives. So he says, this is my beloved beloved son. And then he says this, in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm gonna move on after this, but I want you to hear me say this. Jesus had not done anything for the father to be pleased with. He hadn't healed a sick person, preached a sermon. He hadn't turned water into wine. He hadn't died on a cross. He did nothing. He was just pleasing to the father. I wanna say this to dads in this room. Be very careful that you don't try to create in your children something that you failed at in your own personal life. They need to, be ple- they need to know you're pleased with them without them being a D1 athlete. Because you weren't a D1 athlete. You were barely a high school athlete. Come on, be real. I mean, we, we get, I, I see this stuff happening. Kids hate, they grow up loving baseball and then they start hating it because of the way parents. Have y'all seen all this foolishness on Facebook? And you know, you do Facebook. Don't look at me like you don't. All these parents fighting at ball games? Umpires getting whooped in the, in the parking lot after the game? Over a t-ball game? Sit your hips down and scream for your kid and quit trying to tell your kid this is life or death. This is five and six baseball. Amen, preacher. Most of the kids that we have, not all, we've got some D1 athletes in our church. They're going to Kentucky. They're going to Sanford. It's amazing. Stanford, they're going to amazing places. And some of them will go on and play, play pro ball. It'd be incredible. I'm all for that. But listen, enjoy the journey and let your kids know, dads, let them know that just like they are, you're pleased with their life. I've said this over and over. I mean, I've got, what, I have 74 kids, 76. Okay, but it feels like 74. Um, All my kids have different passions, drives, gifts. And if I tried to compare them, it would destroy their relationship with each other. And if I went around constantly saying, "You, you know, why can't you do this like him? Why don't you do this like her? You can't do that. Stop that. When you have a favorite child over the rest of them, the rest of them resent the favorite child. Love them all the same and be pleased with all of them. 
in their good seasons and bad seasons, let them know you're loved and you, you know what you, that, the word that literally means in the Greek is Jesus brought the Father pleasure. See the word please, P-L-E-A-S, that's the same root word from the word pleasure. What God the Father was telling Jesus was, you bring me pleasure. Well, I haven't done anything yet. Yeah, I know, but you're mine. Jesus heard this from the Father in heaven. How much more do we need to hear this from our fathers on earth? Okay, let me keep going with this whole mantra of what we say. So it's not just important that we have fathers who shape our identity. I'm gonna tell you something that this generation, because of the the epidemic of fatherlessness that we're fighting, I'm gonna tell you something else this generation hasn't heard much at all. It's a two-letter word that changed the face of America. No. No. You can't do that. No. I don't know if it's just, you know, me and Devin and the way we parent or whatever, but sometimes our kids, just several weeks ago, Genesis just decided a little girl had a toy. Genesis thought she wants to give it to me. So I'm gonna go take it from her and help her. So Genesis, my two-year-old, who looks like a six-year-old because she's so tall, and so she goes over to the little kid and she takes the toy and just walks off like it's hers, like a boss, you know? She just walks off. And so Devin takes the toy out of her hand and says, no, you can't do that. She takes it back to the girl. The girl's happy. Genesis sits in the, in the ground, throws herself in the ground, and begins to cry like we broke her heart, and we did. You know why? Her heart needs to be broken. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk. We are dealing with primarily a generation of entitled people who have not been told that's not yours, you can't take it just because they have it doesn't mean they're bad. No. There's a scripture over in Genesis, uh, pardon me, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, I believe it's verses four through six, somewhere in that area, and it says, what son isn't disciplined by his father? And then it answers the question, if you have a son who is not disciplined by his father, he is illegitimate. One translation uses the word bastard. I didn't, the Bible did. The King James says that if you don't have discipline, you're illegitimate. We don't like discipline. Let me help you understand the difference between punishment and discipline. When your child does something wrong, punishment is you make them pay for something they did in their past. Discipline is you prepare them for a better future by discipline disconnecting them from patterns of behavior that would ruin the future God has for them. Punishment is all tied up in making them pay for what they did wrong. Discipline is all bound up in the idea of I've gotta get them ready for their future. So we got a lot of people who wanna punish kids, but punishment leads to no hope. But discipline is different. A father who loves, the Bible said in Hebrews, will discipline their children so that the children produce fruits of righteousness. Well, I don't believe in, uh, 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 I don't believe in spanking. I don't care. I wanna do what the Bible says. Please hear me and I've preached this for years. This is not an invitation to abuse. They are not your punching bag. You are not to, you are not to hurt them. That is not the intent of what discipline does. So I'm not here today to be a proponent of, of hurting a child. 
Abuse is abuse, and if you're abusing your child, you need to stop, number one. And if there's a person in this place who has been abused, you need to report it to the authorities, number two. I am not for abuse in any way. But there were times my mother and my father took their hand and they, they, popped, my, they popped my honey, my gluteus maximus, and my medulla oblongata received a message from that that you can't go sass like that anymore. You can't talk to your mom and dad like that anymore. You can't steal what doesn't belong to you anymore. And when you don't, so now what we do is now we say, well, they're figuring themselves out. Okay, I get it. I get, they need space. Okay, I get it. They don't need that much space. And sometimes we let them and we let them, oh, they're expressing their creativity. No, they're not. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction drives it far from them. That's what Proverbs teaches. I'm not talking about getting a stick and hitting your child, but my mama used to have a switch. Y'all don't want me to come out here, but I'm coming today. And let me tell you, when mama said, go get a switch, it was, it was absolutely the most tormenting thing of my childhood. Do you pick one out that is large? Because if you do, you're committing your own personal, you're, you're committing, you're, you're committing a, a harm to yourself. But if you bring back a chump little broken switch, it's going to set her off. She's going to get everything in the kitchen and start throwing it like animal on the Muppets. It's, I'm kidding. Here's the point. You go get a switch. It only took one switch on my honey before I started saying, I'm not gonna lie again. I'm not gonna hit my sister again. I'm, and what we have in America today is an undisciplined, uncorrected generation who take what they want because they're mad you got it and they were never told no. Y'all don't like this, I can tell. People are picking up their stuff, acting like you got lunch plans. I'm telling you right now, this is not old-fashioned. This is way more than old-fashioned. This is ancient. This is the Bible. This is the book of Proverbs. <laughs> and the older I got, the less I had to be disciplined. Because it worked. Can you try timeout? We did have timeout growing up. Me calling for a timeout. Timeout, mama. Let a man breathe. Daddy, hold up. Let me, let, whoo, let me catch my breath. Timeout. And you know what? And this is a true story. I've told this story many times. I can only remember my dad spanking me four or five times my whole life. I remember every one of them. I remember every single one of them. I never forgot one. And it profoundly shaped. I was uh, maybe 11 or 12 years old and sassed my mama. I remember this, living on East Ridge Avenue. I sassed my mama. I'm 11 years old. I'm acting like this. And the next thing I know, I'm laying on the floor. One swap on the rear. My dad sent me like a... And I'm sitting on the floor, and again, I never sassed my mama again. Oh, that was so rough, wasn't it? No, I didn't turn out to be a disrespectful jerk. And
And again, I'm not hollering up here and preaching Pentecost and breathing fire, so some people have disconnected, but if we would grab what I'm talking about and embrace what dads do, we'd see a change in our generation. And you know, the other thing is, let me say this too. Um, fatherlessness, y'all not gonna like me for this, but you know I'm telling the truth. Fatherlessness touches every demographic. Some people want you to think that fatherlessness only exists in the hood. But fatherlessness can exist in a man working 90 hours a week, making millions of dollars for his family and never shows up to his affluent neighborhood, living in his big fat house and his children are as dysfunctional. It's one thing when it happens at the school system down the road, but it's not just happening at the school system down the road. It's happening in private schools all over America. Why? Because father, fatherlessness is no respect of a race or a demographic of people. Wherever it's happening, it invites dysfunction. Now, this is not just something you find in society. You find this in the kingdom of God. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, you have many teachers but few fathers. Teachers are more interested in how many students are listening. Fathers are interested in shaping the, the behavior of a child so that the child will be reproduced and become something greater than the father. We have a lot of people who tell you and me how to raise kids. That's wonderful, read all the help you can get. But fathers, at some point, we have to be present and do the job. Because fathers don't just teach, fathers, they impart, they connect, they put their hands on the lives of their babies and they help shape their life. So here's what I want to tell you, Dad. Speak into their life. Tell them you're mine. Tell them you're loved. Tell them you're my son, you're my daughter. Tell them that they bring you pleasure. But don't be afraid to tell them no. Don't be afraid to tell your child, that ain't for you. They come home and they say, my friends are doing this, my friends are doing that. Okay, but your friends can die and go to hell. I don't want them to, but your friends can choose to die and go to hell. I've been praying for you for too long and I can't let you do that same stuff. Now, can they go out when they become an adult and do it? Sure they can, but if you train a child in the way they should go, when they are old, they'll remember and come back to it. I, 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 I'm concerned for our nation because we keep trying to fix problems by misdiagnosing it. When's the last time you heard about fatherlessness on the nightly news? Julian, come help me. Somebody come help me. I'm done. When's the last time you heard about fatherlessness? You don't hear about fatherlessness. You hear about division. You hear about political differences. You hear about China. You hear about North Korea. You hear about all of the craziness going on in Ukraine and all the problems in the world. And we are self-destructing. I am more worried about fatherlessness than I am a nuclear bomb. 
Are you worried about a nuclear bomb? I'm very worried about a nuclear bomb, but we haven't seen one destroy civilization yet, but we've seen civilization crumble right in front of our eyes because we don't understand the importance and significance of a father. Dads, you have the power to speak blessing over your babies. Fathers, you have the ability to help your child recognize that. That's not, it's called boundaries. God gave them to Adam and Eve. He said, you can eat anything you want. Isn't it funny how we always get mad at God because he made a tree off limits and they ate from the one tree and we don't see the fact that he gave them every tree in the garden except one. And they're only focused on the one they couldn't have. And we call that bondage. Crazy. Crazy. He gave them the whole garden and said, you can eat anything you want. See that one? You can't eat that. We eat the one thing forbidden and forget all the blessings that God gave us. When your father loves you enough to give you a boundary, where are all my teenagers at? They all ran for the door like 30 minutes ago. Listen to me, teenagers. You ought to be grateful. If you got a father in your life, you ought to be grateful for the times he provided boundaries. They see stuff you can't see. They feel stuff you can't feel. They know when danger is coming. They fix stuff that gets broken. Yesterday I took the kids to the lake. Stand with me, I'm through. Yesterday I took the kids to the lake. We went jet skiing. And there was this girl. I hope she's not here today. <laughs> Seven years old girl. She gets on a paddleboard and gets over in a slough by herself and she can't get back because the wind starts blowing. So her mama is getting nervous and I'm on a jet ski and she says to me, well, you go get my baby. I said, yes, ma'am, I'll go get your baby. So I take a rope over to her child and I get her to hold the rope and I'm gonna pull her back on her paddleboard because she didn't want to ride on the jet ski with me, which is fine. She didn't know me and I'm a big burly dude, so I get it. So she grabs a rope. Well, what I didn't notice is that she is turned around facing the back of the paddleboard instead of facing the front. And when you pull, it sinks her into the water. So she starts falling into water. I had to let go of the rope, turn around, get her out of the water, put her back on the paddleboard. I say, baby girl, turn around. And when I pull, you make sure the front of the paddleboard is facing us so that we don't get dug down in the water and we're able to right on top of it. So she said, great. Well, what I didn't know was happening is the rope got sucked up into the jet ski. It shut the whole jet ski down. Everybody's there to roll jet ski riding and the whole jet ski won't work. And I said, I'm praying, Lord, I rebuke the devil. Father's Day weekend, we're gonna, and one of the guys get up under Jackson, get up under it and finds a rope is in all in the drive shaft of the thing. And it sucked up because I was trying to save a girl's life. And I was mad. At the girl, I don't know, I was just mad. And I said, how are we gonna fix this? And the rope is so tied up in there and all of a sudden, I promise you this happened, they could tell you this happened. A drunk man and his drunk dad come over and said, my God, you got a rope stuck up in there. We're going to have to jerk the whole engine out. I said, buddy, 
I don't know what you're talking about, okay? We're gonna pray and God's gonna do this. He goes, you pray and I'm gonna start untwisting this thing. It's true. <laughs> We're all trying. He's like, bring me. A, he has absolutely gone out of his mind. Him and his dad was a Father's Day gathering and they spent two hours there with us. So he gets all the bolts undone. Why are you telling this story? Because it's about me, okay? So... So he gets all the ropes und- he gets all the bolts undone and the engine won't come and he goes, I, it's, it's loose. All you got, we gotta have somebody can just pull it out. And I was, at this point I am bowling. We've been doing this two hours. And I went over and I'm, cause dads do stuff. Sometimes it's dumb, but they do stuff. I grabbed that engine and I said, ha! And it came straight out of that shaft and I went, Nobody else could do it. Dad does this stuff. Jerked that engine out. He took that rope off, put it back in. 20 minutes later, we were on the water. Dads fix stuff. Dads provide boundaries. Dads love their kids. Dads tell kids no. I need us to pray today for our nation. I'm asking God to do what he said he would do in Malachi 4 before we leave. I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the kids and the kids to the fathers. The kids don't turn before dads do. Dads turn to the kids and then the kids say, that's what I was waiting on. I was waiting on dad. I was waiting on a father. I need fathers to lift their hands right now. Every father, every granddad, every great granddad in this room, we need you, Lord. Help us today. This nation needs to be freed from the curse and the blight of fatherlessness. I'm praying for men in this room who are not even biological fathers but have the ability to take young sons and daughters in such a pure and holy way, to take young sons and daughters and just be a part of shaping their life so that they become everything God called them to be. I'm asking this house be filled with solutions and not problems. I'm praying in the mighty holy name of Jesus Christ that biological dads in this room would be given the ability and the grace, Lord God, just to to take their fathering to another level. Some of them feel so full of shame today. I just rebuke that shame off of them. I just break that shame off of them. I just thank you that even though they don't feel like they've added up, Lord, they've been there a whole lot more than they've been missing and they've done their best. And I just pray today that they would see that their presence has made a profound difference in intercepting the plans of the enemies over their children's life. I'm asking you today in the name of Jesus to bless our fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. I'm praying for this house to have a fatherly grace about it, that young men and young women who come into this church will be nurtured, and raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And they've become great men. Would you do that for us today, God? Would you allow this to be a breeding ground for great young men, great young ladies, where sons and daughters can find identity and never have to live through the confusion or the chaos or the lie or the deception of the enemy? Teach us how to discipline, teach us how to develop. I pray today that men would embrace the blessing, the power of blessing their sons and their daughters. Be with them in the precious holy name of Jesus. Lord, strengthen our marriages, strengthen our families, strengthen our relationships between dads and children. And I bless these people, your people, 
On Father's Day, Lord, we're grateful that no matter what our relationship was with our Father on planet Earth, whether it was good or bad or didn't exist at all, I'm thankful that you, Abba, are our great, great Father. You've never heard us and you never will. So bless your people today, I pray in Jesus' precious name and keep them in all their ways and let them enjoy their fellowship. And for those who do not have their Father on this Father's Day, I pray a special measure of your grace and peace. May the comfort of the Holy Ghost be with them in Jesus' precious name. If you're in this room today and you need to give your life to Christ, we're leaving in just a moment, but if you know you need to get right with God, and you would say, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I'm away from God and I was just hoping you would open the altar for salvation because I feel God touching my heart and I need to get right with God today. If I'm talking to you when I say three, lift that hand. One, two, three, right now. Just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Anyone at all in that place? Yeah, thank you, God bless you. Let's do this before we leave. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, would you just come down before we go today? I wanna pray for anyone who needs prayer for salvation. I wanna give my life to Christ. I don't want to die in my sins. I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to be saved today. Anyone at all, just ask your neighbor on both sides. We're leaving in just a moment. People are already leaving. It's okay. Do what you got to do. But I want to give my life to Christ. All right. All right. All right. I love you. Go in the peace of God. Happy Father's Day. May the Lord bless and keep you as you leave today. We'll see you Wednesday night. Don't miss it. It's going to be powerful. Go and spend time with your family and the Lord bless and keep you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend. I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I wanna pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we wanna pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's gonna be praying for you this coming week. You're gonna get stronger. You're gonna grow deeper in your love for God. You're gonna become everything he put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.